Welcome to the Mount Zion Wesleyan Church Podcast. We hope this message encourages you, challenges you, and inspires you to step into the life God has for you. For more information about our church, visit us online at mountzionwesleyan.com. Once again, we want to welcome everybody that is joining us this morning. Hey, if this is your first morning with us, we have been walking through the book of Psalms. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask that you join me in Psalm 127. I'm going to speak today to uh, all of our parents in the room, but not just our parents, all right? You don't get off the off the hook if you're not a mom or a dad. Uh, this is anybody who has influence in the life of, of, a, of a child, of a student. And the question that we're asking today is, are you investing in a way that is raising up God-worshiping, fully devoted followers of Jesus or culturally compliant citizens? You see, out of all the parents In the entire world, God chose you to be the individuals that invest in the lives of your son or your daughter. Of all the coaches, mentors, grandmas, grandpas, nannies, papas, aunts, uncles, teachers, that God could have selected, anointed, ordained for a moment such as this, he chose you. And it is our responsibility to steward that reality in a wise and in a way that is pleasing to God. So I want to talk to you about, about the family. And you may say, I, I'm, I'm single. I don't have a kid. And that's okay, because you are still called to invest in the next generation. See, the reality is that I have two unique but essential family units. I have the biological family, and you know us by we all carry the last name Jackson. If you are a son or a daughter of myself and of Jessica, then then you're part of our biological family. I have cousins, I have aunts and uncles that attend this church, and we are family. But more importantly, and I, and I know that sounds harsh, and I know that sounds a little bit abrupt, but I mean that. More importantly, we are a part of an eternal family, and that is each and every individual who profess, confess Christ as Lord and Savior You see, we are a part of a family as well. And as that family, we have a great responsibility. Now, a little bit of a disclaimer. I know that when anyone speaks on a subject, you assume that they are an expert or you assume that they assume that they're an expert. I am not an expert. In fact, I'm gonna share with you just some of the what I have learned from the scars and the wounds that I have carried trying to raise three beautiful girls in a broken world. As a youth pastor, student ministries pastor, I was an expert when it came to parenting. I had a couple of just nuggets that I would share with families all the time, and I just had it all figured out. But then we had a kid, and then I had no wisdom to share 
except for that of God's wisdom, which is the ultimate wisdom. And it is enough, and it is all that we need, and it is that reality that we find ourselves in Psalm 127, beginning in verse 1. Scripture says, Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with sentries will do no good. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to his loved ones. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows at a warrior's hands. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gate. So let's begin by looking at verse one. Verse one says, unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builder is wasted. What we can conclude from this simple yet essential reality is that unless God builds our family, unless God is the foundation that we are building our parenting, the way that we are treat and act towards our spouse, the way that we understand them, unless God is our unshakable, solid foundation, that house will not endure the storms that each and every one of us face in any given time, any given moment. So I wanna to talk to you about four principles that we can learn about how to build a strong foundation, how to build a strong family unit. And the first principle is this, love it is not enough. Many of us parent, or many of us have the perception in regard to the influence that we have over the kids and the next generation that love is simply enough. We subscribe to the philosophy of the Beatles where all you need is love, and love is an essential and an important part. But man, I know many parents who love their children off the charts, but they're terrible parents because there's something more than just simply love. I'm not downplaying love. Love is important. Love is essential, but there's more. You see, not only do you need the heart of God, which is always love, it is the character, the nature, the attribute of a loving father, it is that of love. Not only do you need the heart of God, but you also need the mind of God. And man, I wanna to talk to you for just a moment. Ephesians chapter six, verse four says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and the instruction that comes from the Lord. Do you know, men, that almost every passage regarding parenting is directed towards and to men? 
the whole book of Proverbs, which is written from a father's perspective to his son. And Proverbs is where we find much secular and non-secular. Either they contribute to this wisdom or they don't. But Proverbs is where we find much and glean much of the wisdom regarding how we parent and how we treat and how we disciple and how we lead and how we guide and how we mold the children, our next generation. But almost... Every passage that we find in Scripture regarding the way that we invest in the next generation, it is directed towards men. Now, women, you're not excluded from this. But the writer is writing towards and to men, meaning that men, we are called to be active participants in the way that we lead our homes, the way that we disciple and parent and grow our children. But many men today, we have believed the cultural lie, well, that's, that's the job of the mom. That's women's work. But not according to what God's word says is right, true, and holy. For a man, it is their greatest privilege their highest honor, it is their most important mission field, is their greatest responsibility to lead your home, to disciple, invest, lead, God, grow your child. And each and every one of us will stand before a righteous God who is love, yes, but is righteous and we will have to give an account for the way that we led our home and the way that we parented or did not parent our child. Now, the reason I wanna speak directly to men for this moment is because I'm gonna be honest with you. For many men, this is an area of life that we neglect. We have believed the lie that our responsibility is solely to be provider and protector. Am I a good dad? Absolutely. There's nothing that they need that they don't have. I work hard to provide a roof over their head and to put food on the table, which you've heard me say before. If provision and protection is what it means to be a man. Well, possums even do that. So if that is our standard, and that is the bar that we have raised and presented before ourselves, then we are missing the mark. You see, as men, we are to be the leaders of the home. And the way that we lead our home is we don't puff out our chest and crow that we are the head. No, we are the lead servants. A simple definition for leadership means that you go first. You sacrifice first. You serve first. You love first. You forgive first. You show mercy first. You show grace first. To be the leader of your home means that you lead by example, and Christ is our ultimate example. 
Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, as we said, it says, don't provoke your children in anger, but discipline and instruction. And where does that come from? The Lord. So how are we doing in regard to this? Are you prioritizing your first and your greatest responsibility? If many of you performed on your job like you do as a dad, you'd be fired. You put far more time and energy in preparing and showing up and performing and executing with excellence in the workplace. You've just been downright negligent and neglectful and haphazard in the home. Principle number two, it's going to get better. It's going to get encouraging. All right, I promise. (laughs) Stick with me. God grows our children in the twin gardens of family and church. Now, I want you to notice this in your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, I want to encourage you to get a Bible. Take the one that is located in front of you or stop by our guest services desk. Grab one there. If your neighbor has one that you like, take it, all right? You shouldn't steal, but if you are going to steal... Steal a Bible, all right? (laughs) Gideon's philosophy. So Psalm 127, at the very beginning, you see before, unless the Lord builds the house, what is it that you see there? The very top. If your Bible doesn't say this, look at your neighbors. If theirs, take their Bible, all right? A song of ascent. A song of ascent. Of Solomon. Now, this is important, and this is something that we oftentimes overlook. The way that we close today's service, it is going to be a song of ascent. What does a song of ascent mean? You see, when Jerusalem, when the Jews were on their pilgrimage, when the Israelites were heading into the city square to celebrate, to worship, to feast, to fast, they would travel in a community, in a tribe. And as they ascended the hill where Jerusalem, the city, sat, they would sing this song. Why is that important? Because what that is signifying to us is that this was not just simply written to parents. Yes, it was, but it was also written to an entire community, to an entire tribe. Meaning that regardless if you're mom or dad today, this song, it is your song. Deuteronomy chapter six, verses four through nine says, listen, O Israel, The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as a reminder. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. 
And what Moses is reminding us is that God grows children, the next generation, in two gardens, the family and the church, the eternal and the here and now. So as a biological family, the home, what does this look like to invest in the next generation, to take serious our responsibility to raise children in a way that is honoring to God? The first is, according to Deuteronomy, is that we champion and we promote and we speak in our coming and our going the word of God. Every moment that we have It is an opportunity to share the word, the instruction of what God has to say about this situation. So when you're watching something on TV that doesn't align with the values of God's holy word, you have an opportunity not necessarily to avoid that show, which sometimes is necessary and wise, but to instead take the moment to say, hey, do you see what just happened? Do you see what they just said? Do you see what you just saw? Do you see what you just heard? How does that align with what God's word says is true, right, and wise? And why does God's word say that this is true, right, and wise? The church has about 104 hours every year to invest in the life of the next generation. As a parent of a school-age kid, do you know how much time you have every year? 8,736 hours. And yet, for many parents and many families, they believe and place on the shoulders the responsibility of the church and the pastors to raise up the next generation, to disciple, to introduce them to Jesus. But it is your influence, your responsibility, your example, because you have more time. This is why, as pastors, we love events like VBS, And camp, do you want to see a heart set on fire? You send that student to camp. And something happens, and we talk about just a special anointing on the camps. But do you know what it really is? It's that they are saturated 24-7 with people who are all pulling in the same direction individuals who are on fire, a community that is invested, that is seeking God's will. They are seeing and hearing the testimonies. They're seeing life change. And you as mom and dad and myself as a dad have the opportunity to do that same thing. The way that we do it is our coming and our going, car rides, dinner table. The movies we watch, the songs we hear, the walks that we take, we are to be incredibly, incredibly intentional. Will your kids 
know the gospel of Jesus Christ by the end of this year. We're also not only to display through word, but also through deed. You see, the home is the place where kids will see the gospel lived out. C.J. Mahoney says this, and this will mess you up as a mom or a dad. So go ahead and put your helmet on, okay? Effective teaching involves explaining to our children what they are already observing in our lives by example. What does that mean? Because you, it didn't have the effect of, on you like it did me. That means that my kids know what grace is according to Jesus. Mercy, forgiveness, unconditional love. Through the way that I treat Jessica. Through my marriage. Through the way I treat them. Through the way that I talk about you when you're not around. My kids know the gospel of Jesus Christ through the way that I live, not just the words that I say. I can proclaim and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ every Sunday from this platform and be faithful and be right in doing so but doggone it, if my actions off this platform do not align with my words on it, it is all for nothing. You are the greatest example of God the Father and Christ Jesus the Son to your son, to your daughter, to your grandchildren, to your niece, to your nephew, to the ball team that you are called to coach to the student that you are called to tutor. You are the gospel manifest. So what does this look like? For me, it's apologizing often. You see, what I've learned is my, my children, they don't need a perfect dad. You see, if my expectation for them and their expectation for me is perfection, well, they're gonna be crushed under that expectation because I'm not perfect and they're not either. You see, it is not a perfect example from me that will crush them that they need. It is a grace-filled savior. It's the love of a son who gave his one and only life on the cross for your transgressions and for mine. A perfect example will crush them, but a tender Savior will save them. And what does this mean for us as a church? You see, well, let's go back to, to apologizing for a moment. Because this is something that, that I think that many of us struggle with, and, and it's so important. So just, a, just an example yesterday. We were sitting at the, the bar. We were eating, I think, breakfast, and Ava said something. And it was disrespectful to Jessica. So I came in, I came in hard and I came in hot, all right? 
it, which is, that's okay. Because we have, we, that's the rule. You do not disrespect your mother. You can come at me. We can have real conversation. But you'd never disrespect your mother. But I did it in a passive-aggressive way this time. And we have a friend that sometimes we struggle with Jessica, or with Ava hanging out with or talking to. So I began to ask the question, have you? And I began to attack. And at the end, it crushed Ava. It hurt Ava. It wounded Ava. So she did what Ava does. She withdrew. Ella, puff her chest out. She'll come at me. She's her daddy. Loves confrontation. Ava's her mama. Withdraws. Jessica looked at me and said, I think you could have handled that best, better. Which she was right. And I said, but, but I'm right. And she said, but it wasn't the right way. And so I looked at Jessica and I said, well, this is why I'm right. No, I didn't say that. I thought that. But I didn't say it. Why? I've been married 18 years, all right? So I went upstairs. Ava was laying on her bed and I pulled her desk chair beside her bed and I said, hey, I'm sorry. I mishandled that. I was wrong. I used my words to wound you and I did it intentionally. I knew if I said it, it would hurt you. And I thought in hurting you, I would get you to do what I wanted you to do. And Ava, that's what we call manipulation. And that is sin. And that is wrong. And I'm sorry. And then from there, we began to talk about what I should have said. And it was a great conversation. I came downstairs. Jessica was by the kitchen, washing dishes. And I said, fix that. And she said, I bet you did. <laughs> There's a lot of strength in apologizing. Not being perfect. You're not perfect. It's okay. So what does it mean for the church? Because we have a second family. And I know that this is going to seem a little bit self-serving. And it's not. It's what I've learned by being a parent of three beautiful little girls. Jessica and I can't do it alone. We need you. This is why when we dedicate children, we bring them before you as the congregation, almost as a song of ascent. Because as smart and as intelligent as little Scooter is at three months old, they don't know what they're getting into when we dedicate them. So parents come and they hold their child and we anoint that child with oil with the hope that they are going to come to know Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior at an early age. And then we commission the parent. You are the primary disciples of the home. But we also commission you as the church, as the family, to walk beside them, to help them, to resource them, to invest in them, to love them well. Why? Because I understand that my kids are not always going to come to Jessica or myself with a struggle, with a concern. How do I know that? Because I didn't. And you didn't. So I and Jessica, we intentionally pray for individuals like you to come alongside us in our circle of influence and helping us raise our children 
in what it means to live and to love and to lead like Jesus Christ here on earth. You see, in life, what I have discovered in my young 42 years here on earth is that as parents, we often put a greater emphasis and priority on experience versus relationships. Meaning that if our kid gets to be 12 years old and they've never got to go to Disney, or they, we say no to soccer camp or basketball camp, or they don't get to go to this event or to that event, then we feel like they've been neglected. We feel like we've robbed them of an opportunity. We invest so much in them being able to qualify for scholarships, to get into the right schools, to do and to know the right people and things so that they can advance their careers or their future. We put a high priority on experience, but we put low priority on relationship. And relationships always lead to transformation, not experience. So who is surrounding your children? Who are you inviting into that circle? And whose circle are you in? You see, as the church, we have to also make an investment in the next generation. It was awesome seeing over 100 volunteers show up every night during the week of VBS. And my question to many of you is, where are you at the other 52 weeks during the year? We need your investment. We need your involvement. I need you partnering with Jessica and I and helping us raise Ava, Ella, and Myla. The third principle, God gives us our kids so that we can prepare them for the mission. Notice the verses four and five. Like arrows in the hands of warriors are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. What is the purpose of an arrow? To release, to let go. It reminded me of the story from a missionary named Jim Elliott who gave his life on the shores of South America. And he had a promising career. He was going to, his family was incredibly wealthy. He was gonna take over the family and business and God called him to South America to be a missionary and his parents struggled and they mourned and they grieved that call. And after they had learned of his passing, they received a letter that he had written previously a short time after his passing. And these were the words that they read. I do not wonder that you were saddened at the word of my going to South America, but remember the psalmist described children. He said that they were like a heritage from the Lord and that every man should be happy who he had in his quiver full of them. And whatever a quiver is full of, but arrows. And what are arrows for, but to shoot. So the strong arms of prayer, you draw back the bow and you let the arrows fly, all of them, straight at the enemy. Give of thy son to bear the message of the glorious cross. Give to them the wealth of speed, them on their way. Pour out thy soul for them in prayer victorious, and all thou spendest joy will repay. 
God gives us the next generation to prepare, to send out on the mission field, to prepare with word and with deed, to equip, to empower, and to release so that the kingdom of God can be unleashed in our here and our now. But most of us as parents, we want to hold those arrows safely in our quiver where we can protect them and we can hold on to them. All the while, we were called to release them. Reggie Joyner in his book, Parenting That Makes a Difference, says, we are so often concerned with our child who wants to climb the mountain, but what if that child was born, created, equipped to climb that mountain? I'm not making fun of you if your child wears a helmet when they ride a bike. That's a good thing. We should protect our children. And I grew up in a different generation. Regardless if you believe in spanking or not, when I was growing up, anybody could spank me. My dad gave permission to anybody. I got spanked by my principal. I got spanked by my neighbor. I got spanked one time by a random woman at the Piggly Wiggly, all right? Anybody could spank me when I was a kid. That was the first thing my dad said whenever he was introducing us. You know, he's like, hey, this is Luke. You can have permission to spank him, all right? <laughs> but we live in such a culture and a society in which we protect our children so much that we actually rob them of the opportunities in which they were actually created for. So let them go. Allow them to tell an incredible story with their life. Allow them to live an incredible adventure. Because if you don't allow it, they will go discover it. And they will find it. And when your hand is off of them, as they are trying to seek that story of adventure and mystery, trying to make meaning of their life, the purpose of their life, they oftentimes find themselves in some precarious positions and places. So lead them well. Like arrows in the hand of mighty warrior, blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. This is not saying that you should have a lot, a lot of kids, all right? Don't let anyone ever judge you for what God calls you to steward. What this is saying is that your influence should be wide and it should be intentional and it should be purposeful. So whoever you invest in, do so with intention. And then I'll round third and close with this. God knows that you need help. I don't know about you, but the longer that I am a parent, the more that I am dependent on God's grace, mercy, endurance, stamina, and presence. Oftentimes, so we read this scripture and it says that God will give us sleep, which seems a little bit countercultural or it seems a little bit of a contradiction because one of the tell signs of a new parent is what? Sleeplessness, right? What the psalmist is telling us in this moment or reminding us is that you give your best. You show up. Word, deed, you be present. And then you trust God. We spend so much time as moms and dads and influencers into the next generation of trying to control every situation, circumstance, and condition. You can't control it. 
You can't always protect your child. They're going to get wounded. They're going to get hurt. Somebody's going to say a word that hurts them. And they're going to have to figure it out. Your responsibility is to come beside them, to help them see life through the eyes of Christ Jesus, to live an example of what it means to forgive quickly, to not hold a grudge, to love wholeheartedly and well. But make no mistake about it, you are the greatest influence over the next generation. It is always funny to me that older generations will oftentimes criticize the younger generation. And my response is always, well, who made them? Who influenced them? Who resourced them? Who taught them? How are you leading? How are you teaching? You see, you will become what you absorb and you absorb what is lived out in front of you. Word and deed. How are we doing stewarding that reality? May we be individuals that with intention and conviction and with passion and with grace, may we invest wisely. May we steward wisely. You bow your heads as we go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we recognize our responsibilities as moms and dads, as grandma and grandpas, as aunts, as uncles, as coaches, as investors in the next generation. Father, we recognize our weaknesses, our brokenness. We recognize our shortcomings. Father, we also recognize that we are not qualified, but in you and through you, we are just what they need. So Father, may the rhythms of grace and mercy and love, may they prevail. May we be known as men and women who in word and in deed, in home and at church, may we be investors in the next generation for the glory of God. And Father, we understand that culture, it has waged war on the family unit. And Father, we oftentimes feel like we are walking uphill but like all of Israel, as we ascend, may we sing your praise. Because you and you alone are worthy. And we pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people say, amen. Would you stand to your feet as we sing about that, Savior? Thanks for listening to the Mount Zion Wesleyan Church podcast. We hope this message has inspired you to take a next step in your walk with Jesus. For more messages or to watch our full worship gathering on demand, visit us online at mountzionwesleyan.com.